So good to see each of you here this morning. Appreciate so much the opportunity to come and be with you again. Uh, the last time I was here was back in 2002, um, and... I've changed a little bit since then, you've changed a little bit since then, but I'm so thankful for the opportunity to come and to be with you in the next few days. And we're going to be studying uh, the theme of God's prescriptions for life's pains. And I think that you've already uh, been made aware of the topics for the week, uh, and I hope that they will benefit each of us and encourage each of us. And certainly, we all understand the basic premise of such a theme. All men suffer from the deadly sickness of sin. Paul said, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He later said, that sin pays the wage of death. So, Jesus Christ is the great physician that we'll be talking about in these lessons and He can heal each of us of any and all of our spiritual diseases. And so as we think about that, it certainly is a wonderful blessing that we have the hope through the great physician to be healed and to have the hope of eternal life in heaven one day. Again, thank you so much for having me to come and be here today. Um. I'll have more to say about uh, maybe some personal matters in regards to the McKibbins, uh, especially Kathy. I've known her since we were uh, children. Children, that's been centuries ago that we were children. And uh, just right after the Civil War, we were um, <laughs> born and uh, went, yeah, went to high school together and so forth and gave her piano lessons at one time. Um, Taught her how to sing. Uh, no. <laughs> no, good Lord gave her that. But, um, but anyway, it's good, good to see all, all of you here today and others that uh, I've known through the years and uh, have more to say about that in a minute. All right, um, let's talk a little bit about the beginning of sin and of life's pains here on this earth. I, I think it's important that in this series what I'm uh, trying to accomplish is to identify for us why there are the pains and difficulties and sorrows, uh, sin, uh, guilt, shame, why that's all in our life. Why does it um, confront us and discourage us and just haunt us constantly? We're going to go back to the beginning, literally, the beginning. And when we go back to the book of Genesis, I think it's important for us to understand that when we consider the book of Genesis, um, we can look at the very first of scene uh, after creation. It's in the garden. And as we uh, look at the garden, we see that this is a great book of beginnings, not only of the heavens and the earth, but animals and birds and vegetation, but man himself. So if you'll be turning in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 3, we will briefly be taking a look at that passage and uh, glean from it some things that I think uh, will be important and pertinent to our study um, as we continue through these lessons this week. 
Well, first of all, uh, I want to suggest to us that when we look at the Genesis account, and we will here in just a moment read some of the text, many attack the book of Genesis um, as being uh, mythological. Um, that it's just made up. That it's not real. Um, but those who have a faith and trust in God, when you read the Bible, you can go to texts like in Matthew 19, and Jesus himself confirms the validity of the literalness of the story that's told in the Genesis account. And that's important. We also have the Apostle Paul more than once, but once listed in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, talking about that very scene as well. There are those from time to time you meet that don't believe in eternal damnation, hell. But they would turn right around and claim that there's going to be a heaven, a place of bliss for those, but they deny the hell aspect of it. Well, when you read the Gospels, you find, especially in Matthew 24, Jesus speaks of both of those places. And so it's important for us to understand, or Matthew 25, excuse me, that he speaks of both of those places. And if if Jesus is who he says he is, and I believe he is the Son of God, that everything he says is truth. So if he refers to heaven, and he does, and he refers to hell, and he does, then both are true. If hell's not true, then neither is heaven. Well, this is the, the principle, the, the, the reasoning behind this idea of when we look to the beginning about sin and about pain and about sorrows and all the difficulties we have in this life, there is a beginning point. You see, God created in the beginning heavens and the earth, and He, uh, he, he created man. He created the Garden of Eden, and He placed man in that garden. And when He was in that garden alone, God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. You've heard this story, right? You've heard this story. And it's not just a story. It's true. So God makes for him a wife, and her name is Eve. And they are commanded of God to enjoy this beautiful paradise on earth, And may I say, a heaven on earth, an Eden, okay? A place where it was just all they wanted to eat. Uh, It was a beautiful place. Uh, Adam named all the animals and so forth, and they lived in paradise. But there was this one tree in the midst of the garden that God said, you shall not eat of this tree. But in the day you do, you shall surely die. So, We understand this great storyline in the book of Genesis, but then we come to chapter 3. Adam and Eve are in heaven on earth. No sin, no shame, no pain, no sorrows. And then God records for us Genesis 3. So let's take a look at this text in Genesis chapter 3. Um. Let's read uh, the first few verses together. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. If you've got the New King James, it'll be close. got the ESV, it'll be closer. Uh, If you've got the King James, uh, it'll be a little different here and there, but it's close too. 
Verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Now what is interesting here in this particular text, we are introduced to the tempter. He is called many things in Scripture, and he is here a, uh, he's in a form of a serpent, a snake. And I guess this seems to me to be the most logical Reason why most of us don't think a lot of snakes today. Because of this particular scene. And we realize that he is the tempter, he is the deceiver, he is the arch enemy of God. And everything he does is to mess up and destroy What God has made good. And you go back in this Genesis account, both in Genesis 1 and 2, everything that God made, everything that God did was good. Well, Satan is the opposite of good. He is evil. He is bad. And we see his work here in Genesis 3. And you'll notice when we look at this particular passage that he catches Eve alone. He's alone. And not that she could not withstand temptation or stand up for herself, but it seems that predators seem to want to attack the weak and the innocent and when they are alone. Well, that's what the devil does. That's what this serpent does. He attacks her. And when he talks to her, he created doubt about God. About God's word. Has God said you shall not eat of the fruit? Is that, is that what he said? Are you sure? And I, I, I think it's very important for us to notice, and we won't have the time in this lesson, but to examine the approaches, the wiles, the schemes of the devil, how he attacks us. And we'll look at the fundamental foundation of that today in this lesson. But it is a rabbit trail after rabbit trail after rabbit trail that leads from this fundamental principle that we learn in Genesis 3 that the Bible is constantly talking about how the devil attacks us. And here, one of the first things he says, he calls into question to Eve what God had said. That is the same thing as being done today. 
When we see all the evil, when we see all the bads, when we see all the sin that is in the world, if you was to point out to someone that was living in adultery, that the Bible says that you shall not commit adultery, they would look at you and say, you're reading from that old archaic book. <laughs> we haven't used that thing in years. Who believes that? So what are they doing? Notice that the devil didn't start off by saying there is no God. He started off by saying, are you sure that's what God said? Calling into question what God said. And brother and sister in Christ and friend, that's exactly God or the devil's tactic today against God. Now, there are lots of folks that deny that there is a God. There are those who are not sure whether there's a God or not. Well, there are people that believe that there is a God, but when they take the Bible and read it, they don't believe in the verbal inspiration of the Scripture. They don't believe in the full authenticity of the authority of the Scriptures. To have book, chapter, and verse for everything that we say that we do. People today that attack what God says got that from the serpent. They learned that tactic from him. May I also suggest that he just outright lies. He says in this, te- in this text, you shall not die. Now, he only added one word to what God said. Very similarly today, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You ever hear anybody say that he that believeth and is baptized shall not be saved? Just one word different. And yet... When we change God's word, we change what he says. It makes all the difference in the world. It changes it from truth to a lie. We also notice in this text that he blasphemes God's nature and his very character. Well, God knows that in the day that you eat of it, you will become like him. You'll become a God, being able to distinguish between right and wrong. After all, it's only a piece of fruit. You know, there are many people that make... Little or be little. The fact that God has told us specifically about what is right and wrong. And so someone could very easily argue today, are you kidding me? God threw Adam and Eve out of the garden because they ate a piece of fruit? I don't serve that kind of God. My God is a loving God. My God is a gracious and merciful God. He will not throw you out of the garden because you eat a piece of fruit. Give me a break. You ever heard that argument? Well, what are they doing? They're reflecting upon the very character of God. That's exactly what the devil deceived Eve into believing that God had in some way Somehow, he had some ulterior motive. And the devil was insinuating that God really doesn't want you to have fun in the garden. Now, here's how you have fun. You eat this fruit, and baby, you're going to get a buzz that you won't believe. You're going to have the fun and the best of your life. God just, he's just being a bad old God. If you have kids and they have lived long enough to be teenagers and you've had to work with them, you have to deal with this principle because you're the bad old parent and you don't want them to have any fun 
And so there's some ulterior. Do you know where they get that argument? Set them down sometimes and read them this literal biblical story about where they got that line from the great deceiver. Well, when we look at this Satan's attack, I think we're all familiar with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. And that's mentioned for us in the book of 1 John chapter 2. And there, John, the apostle, he says that we're not to love the world, neither the things that are of the world. And isn't it interesting that in paradise, here in Eden, in the Garden of Eden, here is Eve, she's by herself. What does the devil do? He introduces the world to her. The world. And this is what the world consists of. And when we consider this, Jesus was tempted in the exact same way. Time doesn't uh, permit for us to go to the Matthew 4 chapter and to look at, when Jesus was in the wilderness, the three things that Satan tempted him with are these exact same three approaches that Satan tempts Eve with. Exact same things. But guess what? That's how he attacks us too. You see, the devil has a method. And his methodology is based upon lust. And we're going to talk a little bit about that because it's important for us to understand why we have all the sorrows and pains and difficulties we have today. We see where it started. To make this clear. Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden. I have no idea how long it was. Neither do you. Time had not started ticking yet per se because they were going to live forever. Remember later in the story, God sends the cherubim to guard the tree of life lest they eat of the tree of life and they live forever. Alright? Well, they were living in this garden. God had told them to be fruitful and multiply. In the Genesis account, we find in the Genesis account that there's only named three sons. Now, it didn't take a biological genius to figure out that if you're going to be fruitful and multiply the earth, and you only have three sons, I don't have to go there, right? So during that time that they were in the garden, they could have been there... According to the text, when you read it, it doesn't say, but it seems as if God creates Eve, He rests, and then on the next day, Eve eats the fruit. It could have been a thousand years later. They could have had tons and tons of children. We just, we just don't know. But the reality of it is, is that they're multiplying and living upon this earth During that time in the Garden of Eden was bliss. Satan is the one that introduces the world. And Adam and Eve gave in and sorrow entered paradise. That's the original account. And we stop to consider this origin of sin in each person. It's not that it's inherited. My guess is Brother Josh has talked about that in depth. The idea that 
we may suffer the consequences of some other's sin, but we do not suffer or bear the guilt of someone else's sin. We also read that babies aren't born sinners. Jesus even commends the fact of children that the greatest in the kingdom are people that are like them. It would not make sound spiritual reasoning that if children are born sinners, that to be great in the kingdom of God, you need to become like them, sinners. No. The, The reality is, is that children are not born sinners. It's important for us to see that sin is a result of violating God's commands. Let's turn to this passage in 1 John. First John chapter uh, three, isn't it? Yeah. I think we've read this passage probably many times, but he says, "Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. For sin is lawlessness." Some have the word translations have iniquity without law. All right. Now, if you read just a couple of verses later. Notice there in verse 7, if you will. He says, Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. And the one who practices sin is of the devil. And the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, a couple of things there I think are very, very important to our study. Who is a righteous person? There are people who claim to be Christians who do absolutely nothing that would be considered in Scripture as Jesus was the great example of doing good. They do nothing. You cannot make a claim to righteousness and do nothing. A righteous person is a person that works righteousness. He does what is right. Right is diametrically opposed to doing nothing or doing wrong. Follow me? It's not that we are saved by works alone but we are saved by our works, by our faith, by the grace and mercy of God. And when we put by those things, each of those as indicated as important and irreplaceable. When I work righteousness, I am of God. In chapter 1... John talks about this. He says, God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we walk in the light, and yet practice not the truth, we are a liar, and the truth is not in us. So the whole premise here of this this text 
has to do with what you do and what you don't do. But then he says in verse 8, no one who is born of God, or verse 8, excuse me, I was reading verse 9. Verse 8, the one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. We'll talk more about this later. little boy asked his daddy one day, he says, Dad, how come God just don't kill the devil? Great question. Can God kill the devil? Well, yeah. How come he didn't? What does he allow the devil to hang around for? God didn't create the devil evil, but he allows the devil to continue. We're going to talk quite a bit about that this evening in our lesson. But I will give you just a little bit of a hint. God created us as free will, free moral agents to make a choice. The devil provides a choice. He could have made us robotic. He could have made us just do the right thing. Never, ever vary in any way. We, we do the right thing every time. Never look to the left, never to look to the right. But you know why God created us the way He did? Because in the long ages before there was ever the creation, before the foundations of the earth, God decided He wanted more children. And through adoption, He wanted more children in heaven with Him. But He wanted more children who wanted to be children, who wanted to spend eternity with Him. He could have made robots. He could have made computers. But He made us. If we go to heaven, it'll be because we want to go. God provides for those that want to go the opportunity to go. If we're not in heaven, it'll be because, not because of God. And we can't even blame the devil. It's because we've decided that we love this old world more than we love God. You see, that's what Eve made the decision to do. She decided she loved eating that piece of fruit more than she loved doing what God said. She made a choice. We make a choice every day. Many times a day. What do we want? When we consider the idea of the sin within, I think we consider the law... There in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, was very, very clear what God had stated to Adam and Eve about what they were supposed to do. And it always does us good to read the law, to know exactly what the law says. And the text says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From the tree of the garden, from any tree of the garden you may freely eat. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Seemed to be pretty plain, right? But what we see is, in Eve's case here, we find that she saw the fruit. She coveted the fruit. The word covet means to lust after. 
to have an inordinate desire for. And it's not just desire. Covetousness is the desire of something that you're not supposed to have. You remember that in the old law that Moses said, thou shalt not commit adultery, right? But he noticed that he also says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not look to your neighbor and see his wife and want her for yourself. That's covetousness. Well, if you covet her, you desire her, you want her, then thou shalt not commit adultery comes into place. You see? So what we see in this text, in the Genesis account, is that God had already said, you see the tree over there? The the tree in the midst of the garden? Don't eat of that. Well, they saw it. Well, that's not sin in and of itself just because you saw it. But don't covet it. Don't want something that God has said no to. How are we as people, generally, when God says no, doesn't that seem to just be a little bit more of a go get it? Maybe something that would be apples to apples kin. If you go on a diet, you better not watch TV, right? If you go, if you're on a diet and you watch TV, what has every commercial got in it? Food. Oh man! And you're, you're. I mean, it seems like to my life, if I watch a commercial about some restaurant or food, I can gain three pounds just watching it. Now, if I eat, it's going about ten. You know, it just boom happens, right? So what is the commercial doing? It's enticing you. It's making your salivary glands just like, boom, right? And you want that. You desire that. And you go like, honey, we just ate supper, but let's go get a pizza. We want some pizza, right? Are you hungry? No. What are you eating it for? Because I want it, right? And especially because I'm not supposed to have it. Right? The doctor said, you keep eating pizza, you're dead. Well, you would think that would wake us up, right? Eat pizza, you die. Pizza commercial, what do you want? Order a pizza, baby. We're going to eat some pizza. Got to die of something. Right? You see how our mind works? Do you think the devil knows that? You think the devil knows how our minds work? Huh. Yeah, he lives with me. Does he live with... Uh, not my wife. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. The devil lives with me and my wife. I got in trouble once before saying it that way, and I didn't mean to. Okay, she covets it, right? She takes it. And then Eve dies. Now somebody looks at the story and they say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, she dies. She didn't just eat the fruit and then drop over dead right there. No, there's more to that great story, isn't there? She dies spiritually. We see that unfold in this great text. What time am I supposed to quit? Quarter till? Okay, be quiet, Josh. I've got to hurry up. Okay, all right, don't interrupt me no more. Okay. In James 1, 13 through 15, that, that, that's the great text. And I'll just reference it to you and 
you go back and read that more. But let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted of God. Remember that text? For God never tempts. You know. All right. And what we see in this text is, is that each of us has and are capable of lusting and desiring anything that we shouldn't have. It's important for you to understand this, brother and sister in Christ, that any of us are capable of anything at any time. We need to be very careful about saying, oh, I would never do anything stupid like that, or I would never do that. Him that thinks he stands, take heed. Lest you fall. We put ourselves in a bad circumstance, in a bad situation. We're capable of doing anything. Why? Because we all have within us the ability to desire and to lust after things that we're not supposed to have. And when we are tempted and given the opportunity to go through that door, we sin. And when we sin, that leads to death. So what we're talking about this morning, this first class, where did all the pain and sin and so forth come from? Well, we're reading the story of Genesis. And we're understanding how it's introduced to the world by Satan himself. And we see how that personally it attacks each of us. And then there's a consequence. The serpent was cursed to eat the dust. And Bruce, I get from that story... Um, I was a science major in college, uh, took zoology and that sort of thing, and uh, it just it just it just baffles me. the idea that way back yonder God made snakes with legs, but after this scene, he cuts his legs off, didn't have a leg to stand on, and <laughs> puts him on his belly and he eats dust. Right? That was a curse upon him. All right. He was to bear children in pain. What consequence did that really serve if she didn't know what it was to bear children without pain? See what I mean? Adam had to work in the garden and sweat. Thorns and thistles. We also see the consequence of sin that there is guilt and there is shame. You notice in the first part of the text, the idea... Well, let's go back to this Genesis 3. Uh, I hate to get away from reading the text. Um, An old preacher told me a long time ago, don't talk about the text, read the text. (laughs) And in Genesis chapter 3, you'll notice there that she saw the fruit and so forth, and she ate of the fruit, and we understand after she ate of the fruit that her eyes of her and her husband were both open. They felt guilt when God comes. They're afraid. We find from the text that there's shame. Chapter 2, verse 25, they were in the garden. God made them. They were naked and they were unashamed. All right? Chapter 3, after they eat the fruit, they realized they were naked. Now what did they do? They made themselves clothes. So shame enters. Guilt is there. There's, they're afraid. Then there's separation. God separates them from Himself, from His presence. He gets them out of the garden. Alright? This is death. Death means separation. When you die physically, you're separated from the physical world. When you die spiritually, you're separated from God. The book of Isaiah says, Your sins and your iniquities have separated you 
from your God. So that's death. We also understand that Eve's big mistake was that she should have never talked with Satan. When you think about Lot, and he's leaving Sodom and Gomorrah, and his wife looks back, and she's turned to a pillar of salt. They lost all of their stuff. Do you think Lot ever after that said, you know what, I wish I had never moved to Sodom and Gomorrah. You think he ever said that? I wish I'd never done that. Do you think Eve ever later said, I wish I had never ever talked to that snake in the grass? How many times have you ever committed a sin and whoever or whatever tempted you, later you said, I wish I had never... Hindsight is what? What is this story recorded for? To give you 2020 hindsight. Now you've read the story, right? Now you know the story. Now what's going to be our excuse in the future when we sin? Because we want to. We give in. We're deceived. Never dwell on how good the sinning is going to be. Watching the commercial, what are they tempting you? Think about how good that pizza is going to be. Oh, man. And then after you eat that whole pizza, and you're holding your belly, and you're wanting some Tums, and then you take your blood pressure, then you check your sugar level, then you go, I'm going to die. I knew better. I shouldn't have been watching that commercial. You see, we live our life with pain and sorrow and suffering, with shame and guilt. Why? Because we give in to our lust. We give in to our desires to go against what God has said for us to do or to not do. It's as simple as that. Well, it's not as simple as that. Because it's a whole lot more difficult to do than to say. Let me just say this. Satan is our enemy. Don't ever forget that. He is never your friend. He's never ever going to give you anything. It's like these, these promotional things. I don't care if it's a credit card or bank or whatever. And I'm not trying to indict all bank people. I'm just saying... When they say, oh, you get this, free this and free that. And you go, yeah, right. They're just luring you in with the carrot and then they're going to chop your head off. I mean, that's, that's what happens. That's, that's life. That's life. The pains began. Man hears a lie. He believes a lie and he obeys a lie. How do you avoid all of that? Here's what the lessons are going to be about this week. The lessons are about the cure of life's pains. is hearing the truth, believing the truth, and obeying the truth. Jesus Christ is the way, truth, life. I got one minute to spare. Pretty good for a guy that preaches two hours, I tell you. Oh, Kathy, was that you? Wow, man. We might have some rebaptisms this week.
you've listened so patiently, and I'm sorry to have lectured, but I had a lot to tell you. And I hope that this introduces the second lesson we cover today, the great physician. There is a cure for all of our stupidity and our eating pizza, metaphorically, and just putting our lives in such jeopardy. There is an answer. Thank you for listening.